Welcome to When I Was On My Mission, the podcast where missionaries tell true, unbelievable stories that they experienced firsthand. I'm your host, Brian Jensen. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app. It really helps us out. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of When I Was On My Mission. I'm Brian Jensen, your host, and I am here with Lisette Taylor. Lisette, welcome to When I Was On My Mission. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad I could finally get on. Thanks for making the time. And just for people's background, Lisette served with my sister-in-law, and Sylvia said that Lisette is just full of great stories. So thanks for thanks for making time. I really appreciate it. And yeah, just to kind of get things rolling, love to just ask you a little bit about your mission. So first of all, where did you serve? I served in the England Manchester mission. So that's Northern England. Very good. And did you speak English or did you speak a foreign language? Um, I learned the true English. <laughs> it's very good. I've known several people who have gone to the Manchester mission and all of them loved it. Um, older than you, though, other than other than Sylvia. Um, so thinking back to to your time in England, were you excited to go on your mission? Like growing up, were you pumped about it? Yeah, you know, that's like a that's a mixed question because, you know, for women, it's not mandatory, right? It's encouraged, but not mandatory. And I was never planning on going on my mission on a mission. And so then when I started feeling promptings that I should go on a mission, I was really conflicting because I was really into school. I had been dating someone for a couple years. So it just kind of wasn't my timeline. So when I did get the prompting to go on a mission, no, I was not excited. I was really torn up, but I knew it was the right thing to do. But by the time I got my call, I was so excited. I felt like England was the right place. And I had the confirmation when I opened my call, that's where I was supposed to be going. That is super interesting. And so were you praying to ask if you should go on a mission or did a prompt just come to you? Like what, if, actually, if it wasn't the time for you, why did you even have that question, I guess? Yeah, that's um, a great way to start it. I actually had, so crazy, I had a dream that I was opening a mission call and I was like, tell me where I'm going. And they said, well, you're going somewhere cold. And I was like, okay, am I going to Germany like my brother? Because my brother served there. And they said, no, but you're close. And I said, am I going to France? And they say, no, but you're close. And then that was it. That was just the dream. And I woke up and I was like, oh no, that was like super weird. And I was telling my mom and she said, have you been feeling like you need to go on a mission? And I got really defensive. And I was like, absolutely not. I have no desire to go on a mission. Like I am not that person, you know? I'm a spiritual person, but I, I'm not that person who's going to go on a mission. Like I just had never had this identity of what a missionary is. You know, and really they're just normal people. And then I felt like I started getting promptings like crazy after that dream. And I had like roommates who had just come home from missions, talk to me about missions and just little things here or there. And then at church. And then finally I did kneel down and pray. I was like, okay, if, you know, if that wants me to go on a mission, I'll do it. I don't want to. And I know you take our desires into account, but I'll do it. And I got a really strong answer in the scriptures that I needed to serve and that it was time for me to serve. And so I just went to talk to my bishop and I said, here's the deal. I know I'm supposed to go on a mission, but I have no desire. So what do I do? And he said, we're not going to do papers yet. You're just going to pray for the desire. I was like, okay. And I didn't go for about another six months or I didn't start my papers until about another six months. And I was up at BYU-Idaho at this time. 
And so, yeah, I just kept praying until the time was right. And I was uh, in BYU-Idaho's dance company. So I had that commitment as well. I had to at least finish out the rest of that dance company and tour that we did. Then finally, I did get the desire and I decided to go. And it was the best decision ever. At the very end of my mission, I remember kneeling down and praying and thanking Heavenly Father and saying, thank you so much for like knowing better than me that this is what I needed to do. Well, that is great. That's an amazing story. Far more interesting than than my story of deciding to go on a mission. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> what was yours? I was not excited to go at all and didn't get any of the excitement until I was a couple of months into my mission and then was yeah. like very confident I was in the right spot at the right time. And it just kind of went from there and fell in love with North Carolina. And it was it was fantastic. So I think moral of the story there is if you're thinking about a mission, sometimes sometimes you're not excited at the outset. It looks different for everyone. That Getting looks- there looked so different for everyone. Yes. And then just one more question before we get to the kind of the meat of your story. So you said that you were dating somebody at the time. Yeah. Did you end up with that person? Did you write a, a dear John? Was Is there any <laughs> fun story like that? Yeah, it's a sad story. I'll I'll tell it shortly. It's not that sad. Um, <laughs> I ended up with someone better, but no, we did not end up together. We did right throughout my mission. I told him not to wait and he dated people. But about six months before I came home, he said, I've dated a bunch of people and you're the one for me. I was excited about it. Came home. We met. He was in Arizona. We spent some time, started dating. And then he actually broke up with me. And that's okay. That it didn't feel the same. And I agreed. And so, yeah, we moved forward after that. And a couple months later, I met my now husband. And it was just so easy. And obviously, I was supposed to be with him. And I'm sure whoever my ex-boyfriend ended up with, that's the right story there too. But he was a great support in getting me on my mission. He was 100% supportive. You know, a lot of boyfriends, when girl said, I'm going to go on a mission, they'd be like, well, let's just stop dating now. He dated me that whole time, fully knowing I was going to go on a mission and uh, supported me all the way through. Well, that is great. I was one of those elders that actively tried to get other elders to dear John their people at home. So yes, I'm like, it never oh, works out. <laughs> no less mature than you, but that that is a fun, that, that is a great story. Well, Asset, thanks thanks for those those kind of intro answers. A lot of fun to just hear about how you decided to go on a mission. And we'd love to hear your story that you'd like to share with us. Okay, gladly. When I was on my mission, I received some pretty shocking news, but I will give you guys the backstory to this. So I was being trained. So right, this is like the first six-ish weeks of my mission, we go to a member's house for dinner and there was a lot going on. They had forgotten they were having us over for dinner. They were cooking at the same time they were potty training their child and they had a bunch of family over for like a family reunion type thing. And we were really out of place, but they were like, no, we'll feed you. And so in the rush of things, the the meat didn't get cooked all the way through. We ate it and it, it, it wasn't like noticeably raw. It was just a couple pieces. I was like, oh, okay, I'm not sure about that. And this is going to be a little graphic. So if, the, if you have a queasy stomach, just skip ahead for the listeners. But we can handle graphic. Lay it on us. Okay. Let's... Okay. So then the next morning, my companion and I wake up, we go for a run. And my companion's like, hey, I think we just like better head back. I was like, okay. And she kind of races to the bathroom. And after she goes to the bathroom, I'm like, I'm racing to the bathroom. We both have diarrhea, but neither of, <laughs> neither of us are telling the other person. We're in study and we're just like taking turns going to the bathroom. And then finally I'm like, okay, is your stomach upset as well? She's like, yeah, I feel so sick. So we took the day off the next day still, I think I I vomited and we still both have diarrhea. 
And then this is where it gets crazy. We noticed some blood when we went to the bathroom, some blood huh. in our stool. Huh. Yeah. So I called up the mission nurse. I'm like, hey, this isn't normal. I think we need to go to the hospital. She's like, yeah, let's send you to the A&E, which is England's ER, essentially. So we go to A&E, which is like notorious for the longest wait times, like hours. So we go, we finally get to the check-in window and they said, okay, you both have the same symptoms. We said, yeah. So they're like, well, only one of you check in because it'll just move everything quicker. And we're like, okay. So I checked in, not thinking anything about it. And we get taken back a while later, probably at least an hour. And they ask our symptoms or my symptoms, my companions in the room with me. And they say, okay, we're gonna do urine sample and some other tests. So they ran some tests and they come back and the doctor says, okay, your results do you want your companion to leave the room and i was like no she we stay together we're missionaries you know i'm like using this as an opportunity to just kind of explain who we are and he says okay um well you're pregnant <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh don't worry i was not pregnant but my <laughs> companion just her hand like shot up to her mouth and she just goes <gasps> And she looks at me and you could just tell she was just thinking through the scandal of that this would bring into the mission and that, you know, my belly's going to start showing and I'm going to oh get sent gosh. home. And because she doesn't know me that well, right? It's been about six weeks. I'm a brand new missionary. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so, yes. you're, wait, wait, wait. so let's let's pause there for a second. So she thought you were pregnant pre-mission and you came yes. out and OK, got it. Yes, absolutely. And so she is just completely shocked. And I'm like that's not possible there's no way i'm pregnant and he's like there's no way he's confused and i was like i'm a missionary we don't do things like that and he's like okay how long have you been a missionary and i was like six weeks and you could tell he's just like do the math like it's possible you know, like me. he's like basically exposing me he thinks and i'm like no it's not possible and i'm like we're gonna have to do another like urine sample and we did and that one was negative so either he gave me someone else's results or it was a false positive but that was truly terrifying because you know coming from a trusted like medical professional like there wasn't even a mo there was even a moment i was like oh no i'm pregnant and then i had to think back that's absolutely <laughs> impossible so that was the story everyone heard about the mission and just like it was that was a big uh, jump start to my mission of okay things are going to be a little crazy out here oh that's hilarious so in your mind for a second there it was like wait is this actually it, possible? Could this, what how could I be pregnant without my without knowing? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was really scary, but obviously just like, that's not possible. So it was funny and he ended up saying, okay, well then I don't know, like with your, which those weren't pregnancy symptoms, you know? So I'm yeah. also like, now I'm looking back, what? What is up with the healthcare? I don't know, but um, he ended up not even prescribing any medication. And he said, okay, just wait a few days and it's probably yeah. some intestinal thing. It'll run its course. Was that as far as it went? You got the test that day, you got retested and everything just kind of resolved. Is that right? Yeah, it, exactly. It resolved, but then it was, you know, then my companion told people, not that I was pregnant, that that yeah. had happened. And it was just this big mission, like crack up story that went around. My next story was also in, I think, that same transfer. So I feel like really just, I remember just the start of my mission being like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, like if the rest of my mission is like this, I'm gonna just, this is gonna be a wild ride. So the next one was same companion, my trainer and I had gotten a coupon from one of her recent converts, two coupons, and it was for a free cut and color for your hair. Okay. And you know, you're trying to save money as a missionary. 
And I had never colored my hair up to this point. My hair is light brown. I never, I never colored it. I always wanted to, but never had. So this will be fun. So we go to the hair salon and I wanted to go like a darker brown. So I picked out this color and my hairdresser was Iranian. You know, England is a melting pot. So you get a lot of different cultures there. And I didn't feel like there was any kind of communication barrier. Picked the color. We both agreed on it. They're doing the color. And I'm like, wow, oh, this is looking a little, um, a little purple. I was like, hopefully, you know, it just kind of like when it sets or reacts, it'll come out that, that dark brown. <laughs> so I finished washing my hair and it straight up looks purple, like magenta. And we had a huge conference the next day. Oh, it was the England history tour. It's like a whole mission thing. And I'm new and there's already been this, you know, pregnancy scare before this point. So I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be the rebel missionary. So I, I'm like, hey, it's looking purple. They're like, oh, once we dry it, it, it won't look purple. It's like, okay, I'll just trust you. <laughs> they finished drying my hair. It is completely magenta. Like I will have to find that picture and send it to you. Yeah. I couldn't find it. And I tell them, hey, this isn't the color I wanted. Can you fix it? And he's like, it's your fault. That's the first thing he says, it's your fault. You've never had color on your hair. I was like, well, no one told me that was a problem beforehand. And this man is super argumentative. And so we're kind of just bantering back and forth, back and forth about how he says it's my fault. I'm saying it's his fault. And I, at one point we go back and forth and I remember holding my badge up to him and yelling, I'm a missionary. I literally can't have purple hair. You need to fix this. <laughs> and he says, what am I supposed to do to fix it? And I said, I don't know. You're the hairdresser. You're the, you're the hair guy. Oh. You're the expert. You tell me. And so I said, I don't know. Can you put like black or brown over it? Like you can't go lighter at this point. And he says, fine. And so he just slapped some color on my hair over the sink. And he's just like really messily, like throwing the color around. It's getting on my shirt. He washes out my hair. And then he's like roughly drying my hair. So finally, I just say, I'll do it. I'll do it myself until I dry my hair. And then he comes over and he starts blow drying my hair. And he's just, you could tell he was so upset. There's no one else in the salon. And he throws the blow dryer on my lap. And he says, you do it yourself. I don't have time for this. Oh, my gosh. So I'm sitting here like fuming like a little bit of a temper at this point, just blow drying my own hair. My companion comes over and she starts blow drying my hair. Where was your companion during this whole like thing? What was going on? <laughs> yeah, you know what? She's watching and kind of just trying to stay out of it. So it's not like another person kind of arguing with this guy, feeling ganked up on. Um, but then yes, once he like threw the blow dryer at me, she comes over and she's just blow drying my hair. We both start laughing. She's like, I'm literally blow drying your hair in a salon in England and your hair still looks purple. I was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Icing on the cake with this guy is I hand him this coupon for a free cut in color. And he just is so mad that I'm not going to be paying. He's like, no, you have to pay for both colors because I used two things of product. And I was like, no, that's your mistake. I said, I will pay for one color but I will not pay for the other one. We're yelling back and forth, not good missionary behavior. So I said, okay, I'll pay for one. And so I, I had been saving, I pulled out and pound coins to pay for this. So I'm counting him out. And that made him even more mad that I'm literally paying with change essentially. And he just says, keep it, take it to charity. And then I'm super mad because now I'm offended. So then I grab it and I'm like, this is a charity. And then I give it back to him. <laughs> and then I walk out with my companion. 
and I had purple color going down my white shirt. It was a nightmare. And I got on the bus and the first thing I said to someone is, does my hair look purple? And they're like, yeah. To wrap it up, my companion and I had to run to the store, get a box color of another brown because it was still too purple to go to this mission conference the next day. And we dyed my hair again at home. And then it was, it looked good, but it was a really dark color. And my mission president commented on it and said, whoa, okay. So you decided to have a big, you know, life change there. I was like, oh man, if he only knew that it had been purple. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. So you did a better job dyeing your own hair than this professional did. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I know why they have like giving out coupons. Like I'm clearly hurting for business. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And how did, so did your companion get her hair color too? No, she didn't think I mean, that's what, that's the funny thing I always laugh about with her is like in both these stories, it's like just me, you know, it's like we both <laughs> went to the hospital. We both had the coupon. <laughs> like, I think I was the willing, like new one on the mission to just try things. and. Uh, suffered for it yeah we laughed so hard about that and my hair did go through stages of color like you know as that color washed out it was like an ugly orange so I tried a color removal and Uh I woke up looking like a troll doll like it was like bright orange and so I had to put like another color on you look at over (laughs) over my whole mission pictures it's just a gradient of all kinds of colors but it's nice to come home and get it fixed now I'm back to my natural color of just staying away from coloring my hair for a while that's amazing (laughs) I, I would love it if you would send if you would send us one of those pictures. That would be great. Yes, I will. I don't know how you're going to top that, but it sounds like you might have one more story for us. Yes, I do. This one's not a shocking or a funny story. It's more of a spiritual story. I figured people should know I didn't just play around my whole mission. <laughs> so this is about a investigator that I met at the very end of my mission. So this was with actually right before I was Sylvia's companion is when we met him. So Sylvia knows this person too. His name's Alex. Um, how we met him was pretty inspiring. We were walking just around our neighborhood, praying to meet someone, of course. And we saw this man walking his dog. And in England, everyone has dogs. So it's really easy to talk to people because I truly do love animals. And that was always just the easiest in with people. And for whatever reason, we started off talking about the plan of salvation and what happens after this life and that there's life after death. And he just like stopped in his tracks and had this stunned face. And he said, that is something I've been wondering about that not only like this week or this month, this is my whole life. That question has like plagued me. Like what happens after this life? Is there life after death? And if so, what is it like? And we were just like, oh my gosh, I've never met someone who had that specific concern or question. He was about our age. I feel like a lot of this generation is just live for the now. It doesn't matter what happens after. We began teaching him Mainly what I remember about Alex was as he read the Book of Mormon, we saw so much change happen in his life. But not only did we see it, he saw it as well. I remember he was reading the Book of Mormon and he said, I feel like I no longer have a desire to swear anymore. I feel like I am just kinder to my girlfriend. I'm more patient. He said, I really am noticing that I'm just a better person. And for someone else to be noticing that as he's feeling the Holy Ghost and he's reading it was so amazing to witness. And I felt like out of everyone I taught in my mission, as he read the Book of Mormon, he truly understood the stories. He was flying through it. He was recapping the stories, stories that I've heard my whole life, but have still struggled to grasp the people or the events. And just seeing him kind of just really internalize it was so cool. And each lesson that we were nervous to teach, like law of chastity, word of wisdom, he'd say, oh, okay, like, you know, that 
that makes sense. I already know that. I, I know I don't feel good when I drink. I know I don't feel good when I do these things. So it was a really natural process to see. And he actually did not get baptized, but you know, missions aren't all about the results and we're still in contact. It's actually pretty neat. He started going back to church recently. This has been years, you know, I've been home almost five years now. He started going back to church and I reached out to him and just started talking and kind of brought up a lot of those things that he had shared with me and felt. And so I'm not exactly sure where he's at now, but definitely kind of reinvestigating and going back to church. He was one of the most inspiring people that I met on my mission. That's great. So you went through all the lessons with him? Yeah, we did. And we did invite him to be baptized and the holdup there. He said that he wanted to, but the holdup was he was, he wasn't married. He was living with a girlfriend for a couple of years. And so we knew that you know, they weren't going to have a shotgun wedding. It was going to be at least a year or more till he was baptized. But when we were teaching him, even his girlfriend and him realized they're actually trying for a baby. They weren't having luck. And his girlfriend said, I feel like God will bless us with a baby if we're married. I feel like once we get married, that I'll be able to get pregnant. I think that's the holdup. And they made plans to get married. They got um, pregnant with their first daughter. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they, they had that inkling or feeling that that was some somehow important for them to do. He did get married and that was kind of the holdup. And then, I don't know, I think he said he was open to taking the lessons again. But it's really amazing to me because, you know, I remember teaching all throughout my mission, you know, your faith goes up and it goes down. That happens to me. That happens to all of us. Faith is constantly going up and down. And it's like what we're actively doing to build our faith. And so I've seen that in him and he has even recognized it when we were talking over Facebook that there's times when it's been stronger and he's kind of been in a dip, you know, of his life, but he wants to get back to that point of how he felt when we were teaching him. I have high hopes for him. Well, that's great. Excellent story. That brings many stories back to mind from my mission. But I, I think the thing that I'd say is sometimes it takes longer than than you'd anticipate. I had one person who had literally been investigating for 55 years. He'd been wow. uh, married to his wife for 60 years after 55 years of sets of missionaries for some reason with my oh my, my companion he decided to get baptized so my point is that yeah sometimes it takes three four five 20 sets of missionaries but if you stay persistent mm-hmm. you know continue to have that faith then then sometimes it does happen so yeah. yeah because there's so much change happening in a person and like like you said there's no timeline on change right some changes are easy and they happen fast but something as big as that i mean i always think like if I were to meet the missionaries, man, it would take it would take me a while just knowing who I am and having to really plan and understand. But I did see, you know, the Holy Ghost work miracles and people who I thought would take longer. It went faster. So just like we were saying with getting on a mission, there's no set story. There's no set timeline for people. It's the same. It's a good thing to remember when you're on your mission that everyone is, you know, in a different spot. And it's really about conversion. You know, baptism is so important. But it's really about conversion. And I feel like he's still on that process of being converted. Well, I couldn't agree more. And Lisette, I ask everybody this question and just thinking through some of the stories that you've told us, you know, initially not being excited about your call to getting very excited about your call to being told you were pregnant when you weren't to getting (laughs) to this, you know, incredible experience with this super inspiring investigator. Was it worth it going on your mission with kind of all those ups and downs and ins and outs? Absolutely. And like I said, just, giving that fast forward to the very end of my mission. I just remember feeling so grateful. I remember writing in my journal and just like crying. I'm not 
super emotional person. I remember just crying, thinking about all these journals that I had written throughout my mission, all these amazing stories and like life-changing personally and other people's life-changing stories that I was able to witness and be part of. And just that night praying, like I said, feeling so grateful, like, thank you, Heavenly Father, for knowing that I needed this because it altered the course of my entire life. And I feel like I am such a better mother and wife and person, coworker, friend, just everything because of those life experiences. Well, thank you, Lisette. That's a, those are great stories and just totally agree with you on the fact that serving a mission house. So thanks so much for sharing that with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When I Was On My Mission. If you or someone you know has a great mission story, we would love to hear it. Please email us at contactonmymission at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or Facebook at When I Was On My Mission. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app.